Today is April 21st, 2021. Florida signs into law a new anti-riot bill. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is officially linked to blood clotting. And Derek Chauvin is found guilty on all counts. I'm your host, Austin Taylor, and this is Split the Difference Podcast. Here we take a look at both sides of the political aisle as we try to bridge the gap between today's biggest issues. Remember, times may be divisive and we may not always agree, but together we can stay level-headed, be reasonable, and always split the difference. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We have another fantabulous episode here for you on Split the Difference podcast, doing our best to bring you all the news and insights from both sides of the aisle working diligently to look at the good and the bad on the left, the good and the bad on the right, and trying our best to split the difference and find that sweet, sweet truth that oftentimes lies right there in the middle. As always, y'all, we're going to cover our top three stories of the day, and we're going to do our best to, with a level head and with as much reasonableness as we possibly can, look at each of the stories objectively and try to find the middle ground wherever we possibly can. So, if that is something that you are interested in, come with me as we hop on into our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story of the day, and this is a story that we will likely spend uh, the most of our the majority of our time with or on today uh, is around the anti-riot bill that was just signed into law by Governor Rick DeSantis in Florida. Uh, over the past couple of days, this has caused a huge controversy. It really was causing controversy as it was going through the House, State House and Senate there in Florida. Uh, it does a, a wide variety of different things. We're going to try and cover all of those things as much as we possibly can. We're going to review all the different things that it, you know, that it covers. We're going to look at the left and right and kind of try to parse through why this is causing such such an uproar within the country. So uh, it specifically increases penalties for crimes committed during riots and is aimed at, quote, combating public disorder. Pretty much the goals of the bill. Rick DeSantis said upon the announcement and the signing of the bill, quote, if you look at the breadth of this particular piece of legislation, it is the strongest anti-rioting pro-law enforcement piece of legislation in the country. There's just nothing even close. So let's go ahead and hop in real quick. We're going to watch a video. This is from a news station down in Florida that was covering it just a day or so ago. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was surrounded by law enforcement during today's bill signing ceremony in Polk County. Among other things, the new law creates a new crime of mob intimidation. It enhances riot-related penalties, and it makes it harder for any local municipality to defund police and reduce spending on law enforcement. I think it's really remarkable if you look at the breadth of this particular piece of legislation. It is the strongest anti-rioting, pro-law enforcement piece of legislation in the country. And there's just nothing even close. The law also makes it a felony to tear down statues or monuments. Democrats are upset, and State Representative Angie Nixon from Jacksonville joined the state's top elected Democrat, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, at a news conference at the Capitol. I am so heartbroken by what I saw happen today. Didn't necessarily want to speak, but um, super upset about this bill. Nixon joined colleagues in saying people need to vote Republicans out of office for not defending freedom of speech. Okay. 
So uh, the purpose of this bill does a couple of things, kind of like the video outline. They want to cut down on and curb a lot of the rioting that has been happening over the past year or so. They want to hopefully promote peaceful protesting instead of violent protests, which we will get into a bit. And they want to take a pointed stand in support of the police. And I think that was kind of the biggest political point that Rick DeSantis wanted to push across that this is the most pro-police legislation that has been put into place because as many of you know for some reason over the past couple of years uh, the left and the right have kind of split into these camps where uh, the left believes that the police are horrible people well the mantras, right? Not all people on the left actually believe this. This is just what is said of the left, right? The left thinks that the police are absolutely horrible, that they need to be defunded, that uh, all the police are out to get all minorities, right? And then the left views the right and they're like, well, the right is just crazy pro-police and they're okay with all this systemic racism and systemic injustice. And the right is like, yeah, we're pro-police because, you know, if you're not for police enforcement and the rule of law, right? That was a big thing during the Trump campaign. You got to be for the rule of law, right? And then you're just not American, right? If you don't support our, the police and the armed forces, then you're not American. Obviously, both of those things are so exaggerated. It's ridiculous. But uh, the left has had a major push over this last year in some ways and in a lot of different cities to actually do the opposite of kind of what Rick DeSantis is wanting to do down there in Florida. Okay. DeSantis is who many are saying is one of the top front runners for 2024 alongside Donald Trump purposefully wants to differentiate himself as much as he possibly can. Okay. DeSantis thinks he has a legitimate shot in 2024. And this is one of the ways that he thinks that he can get there because he is pointedly taking a stand against the crazy left. Right. Okay. And that is air quotes. If you were listening in. Um, so what are some of the specifics around this bill? So it grants civil legal immunity to people who drive through protesters blocking a road. So in other words, you're driving on the highway, you're on a street or something like that, and there are a bunch of protesters that have decided to stand out with signs and block the road to make sure that you can't get through. You have civil legal immunity to drive through those protesters. So you can drive through them and not get not get in trouble, okay? There's a little bit of confusion around this because I, there was a bunch of people on the left that were saying, well, this would have allowed that guy who ran through that crowd during the Charlottesville protest to totally just get off scot-free from killing that woman. But... You know, that would be a criminal offense. Okay. So he would be, he would technically, it would not be a civil like matter if you ran through a crowd and purposefully killed somebody, right? You would still be tried there. However, what it does say is if you go through that, that crowd and you end up hurting somebody or something ends up happening, you're probably going to get off scot-free. Okay. So second, it allows authorities to hold arrested demonstrators from posting bail until after their first court date. So for, doesn't matter for, if it's for a misdemeanor, whatever it may be, if you go to a protest or you're a demonstrator at a protest and you get arrested for whatever reason, you cannot post bail and get out of jail at all until you've actually had your first court gate, first court date, which, you know, could be a couple of days, could be a week. It depends on how backed up the jails would be at the time, which if there's a large protest, jails might be pretty backed up. Third, the legislation increases the charge for battery on a police officer during a rider uh, during a riot and adds language that could enforce local governments or could force local governments to justify a reduction in law enforcement budgets. Okay. So in other words, in order to reduce the budget of your law enforcement, 
If you're in a local government, you would have to give a reasoning behind it instead of just having the authority to do it because you want to do it. So say at your local municipality level, their city level, if you decided, you know what, I want to go through and I want to start cutting some of the budget of the police because I want to take that budget and put it somewhere else, you would have to give Rick DeSantis and the Florida government, state government, a reasoning behind why you would do it, and they essentially would have to approve it, okay? The bill also allows people to sue local governments over personal or property damages if they were determined to have interfered with law enforcement response during civil unrest, So a great example of this maybe is in like Seattle, right, over this past year, where the Seattle mayor basically came out and was like, you know what, we're going to keep the police from going in and stopping a lot of the rioting and looting and stuff that is happening. We're just going to kind of keep our hands up, right? If that happens now in Florida, you have, as a business owner, the right to sue the local government, take them to court to try and get them to pay for all the damages that were done to your property. The last, it also increases penalties for protesters who block roadways or deface public monuments and creates a new crime called mob intimidation, which we'll get into, but doesn't really have a good definition. Okay, so the left. The left views this as an attack directly on free speech and mainly as a tactic to intimidate people out of being willing to go out and protest. They point to the fact that the vast majority of protests never actually turned violent and that the right is using the anecdotal violent protests as a means by which to keep black people from protesting because this bill was very pointedly in response to the Black Lives Matter protests that occurred last year. So Democrats point to how vague and overarching the language is in the bill as basically allowing for police to arrest anyone at a protest that ends up turning violent, which violent is not specifically defined, okay, even if they weren't the ones riding. So Kara Gross, the ACLU ACLU legislative director in Florida, said this, quote, the problem with this bill is that the language is so overbroad and vague that it captures anybody who is peacefully protesting at a protest that turns violent through no fault of their own. Those individuals who do not engage in any violent conduct under this bill can be arrested and charged with a third degree felony and face up to five years in prison and loss of voting rights. The whole point of this this is to instill fear in Floridians. So the fear is basically that the police will use this bill to prop up arresting people that simply are out protesting and exercising their free speech. And one, you know, bad things happen, you know, once bad things happen, they can now arrest anyone that was out there and charge them now with a felony. Okay. So if you're at a protest, there's a whole lot of people there. Some scuffle ends up happening. Something, it, it gets determined to be a violent or a, a violent protest or a riot. They now have the, author- the authority to go out and just arrest pretty much whoever they want, bring them into jail. They can't get out of jail until they've met with them, until they've actually seen a judge, they've actually gone into court, and uh, it would be very, very difficult to get out of that, okay? So, the right. The right is cheering this legislation and DeSantis on, okay? The right loves them, some Rick DeSantis right now. So many people on the right have been very, very critical of all the destruction that has happened as a result of the protests over the last year. There's somewhere between an estimated of $1 billion to around $2 billion worth of damages that have happened and have occurred through what is being called the Black Lives Matter protests over this past year that really was spurred on by the death of George Floyd. Uh, So many point to how 
Uh, there's a lot of videos playing on the news of the absolute des devastation that has occurred um, at the hands of rioters, looters, and protesters at Black Lives Matter protests specifically. So they view the answer for these problems as not to reduce law enforcement, but rather to increase the support of law enforcement more. They say, the right, that the problem isn't the police officers, but rather the lack of support that the police officers have to do their job properly because of lack of funding and resources. So that's where you see within the bill, this anti-riot bill in Florida, that it makes it more difficult to cut funding for police officers at a municipal level. So much of the right says that there's nothing wrong with protesting as long as the protesting is actually peaceful. But if it turns violent, there should be swift and severe consequences. OK, so there's a good bit to unpack here, and this is why we're spending a good amount of time on it today. First is that protesting in the United States is protected under the First Amendment. I will always support someone's right to protest peacefully. I don't care what it's for. Someone has the right to say their beliefs and protest however much they want. I don't care what it is that they're protesting for. If they want to go out and have a protest, just wanting to convince everybody that the earth is actually flat, I don't think the earth is flat, right? But if that's what they want to do, then they have the right to say it, okay? Second, there are some, I guess I'm trying to look on the bright side a bit. There's some, okay, some kind of good things about this bill. Personally, I think most of it's pretty awful. Uh, but I do agree that the bill is uh, incredibly vague. The language in the bill seems incredibly vague. There are new crimes that have been created within the bill, such as mob intimidation. I'm yet to find through all of the research that I've done a solid definition for exactly what that is. There's also a new, a new felony within the bill called aggravated rioting which I also could not find a good definition for. It's incredibly vague within the language of the bill. Uh, it also creates an incredibly broad category for misdemeanor arrests during protests. So, uh, and if you are arrested under this misdemeanor protest category, uh, you'll be the denied the ability to post bail, like I said, until you've had your court appearance, which could take a while. I don't love all that, right? Because it, in a lot of ways, it, it does discourage people from getting out uh, and actually protesting. Uh, third that I will say is this definitely appears to be a way like I was saying, to intimidate people from actually going out and protesting because the penalties for getting in trouble at a protest are now so severe and people are much, much less likely to actually go out and protest. And of course, the argument is that you shouldn't be rioting or doing anything violent in the first place. I agree. However, the definition for what makes a protest violent is incredibly vague. Like if two people out of a 10,000 person protest decide that they want to get in some fisticuffs, just, you know, man, just start manhandling each other, beating each other up in the street. Is that whole protest violent now? How do you define that, okay? How in the world can you expect an incredibly large number of people to get together with elevated emotions and at least not one thing go wrong throughout the entirety of the day? There's no way you can expect that, okay? I would love to see a statistic of how many college football games went off totally without a hitch over this past year, or maybe not this past year with COVID, over the past, maybe in the 2018 season, okay, 2018-2019 season. I'd love to see how many NCAA Division I football games went off without a hitch with not one fight or one person getting drunk and doing something stupid. Of course there's not, all right? If you've got 20 or 30,000 people together, something, somebody's going to do something stupid because most people are stupid, okay? Just kind of how it is, all right? It definitely appears to me to be a very, very political line in the sand that Rick DeSantis wants to draw. It's already illegal to violently, to violently riot and protest. It is already illegal to loot, burn, and destroy property. Okay, It is already illegal to attack pro police officers. The vast majority of people know that, 
and abide by these laws. And that is why you had less than 4% of the protests last year resort in any sh- resort to or have any short like shade of violence at all. Okay. Both sides love to use anecdotal evidence to try and push their political agenda. Okay. The left and the right does it. Okay. The left oftentimes does it with the killings of unarmed black people. Okay. That is one of the fa- one of the best things that the left lo- loves to push is this idea that the police are running around and just slaughtering unarmed black people in the streets. Okay. Statistically, is incredibly small, okay? Even though we see a lot of videos online, we hear it in the news almost every single day. Since 2015, according to the Washington Post, okay? So you know I'm getting it from a left-leaning source. There have been a bit over, as of this, as of right now when I'm recording this, around 6,200 people killed by the police in America. So that's in about the last five years and one quarter, okay? Of those, 24% of them were black, so right around 1,500 people. Of those, only 6% of those people were unarmed, okay? Which means that over the last five years or so, only 2% of the people that have been killed by the police were unarmed black people. That is statistically insignificant. Okay. So there's not an epidemic of racist cops just running around and just shooting and killing unarmed black people in the streets. Okay. Now that's not to say that there are not absolutely problems within our criminal justice system. That is not to say that there are not black people every day that are arrested unfairly for things that they did not do. That is not to say there are not police out there harassing black people on the daily basis because they are racist and they don't need to be on the police force. But to say that there is a gigantic problem of racist police just opening fire on black people in the streets, statistically, can't back it up, okay? The right, however, does it with the rioting and the looting, okay? You see over and over again all these videos on the news of these protests that have just turned to violence, okay? Bricks being thrown through windows, people running out of targets with just bags and bags of things and TVs on their back, and they point to Seattle and Portland last summer. And in the words of one of the Republicans that was standing on the stage with DeSantis the other day, those cities, quote, burned to the ground last year, okay? That is simply not true. It is factually false, okay? Yes, of course, there were riots and there were looting. But to act like that is a normalcy is incredibly dishonest. Last year, during the Black Lives Matter protests, there were approximately 14,000 people that were arrested, okay? There were an estimated 15 to 26 million people that participated in protests just in the United States, just in the United States, which means that if you take the lowest end of that estimate, that 15 million people were protesting, okay, that means that less than 1% of the people that were out protesting were arrested for something at a protest, let alone actually charged for something, which in the city of Orlando last year, out of the 100 people that were arrested for some sort of protest, 80 of them were not fa- did not face any charges at all. So the vast majority of the people that get arrested don't actually get charged with anything. So uh, the idea that all this fear-mongering from both the left and the right, it, it's just... It is so exhausting. And this is why it's incredibly important to stay informed, to be able to look at legislation like you have right now that is being pushed by Rick DeSantis and the right, to stay informed of it and be like, is this really needed, right? Like, are there so many violent protests in the state of Florida that they need to be able to go through and, and just have sweeping legislation that could potentially limit people's ability and need or want to go out and protest? 
My opinion, no. I think this bill's crap. So with all of that, that is the end of our first story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop into our second story, story number two. So for our second story of the day, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, and I guess a little bit of the AstraZeneca vaccine. So the EU decided that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine should have a warning label on it that warns of the possible side effect of blood clotting. Okay. There have been multiple cases in both the United States and Europe where people have reported blood clotting and a few have actually died from it. Almost, almost all of the cases have been women under the age of 60. So different health officials in the United States and in other places are calling for and implementing uh, for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine to only be given to older recipients and also sometimes preferably men as well. So the EU has not suspended the handout of the vaccine at this point uh, because they believe that the benefits of the vaccine outweigh a lot of the risks that it may pose. Um, and statistically, I think they've got a pretty good argument here. Okay. I know that there's a whole bunch of, uh, there's a large amount of misinformation, right? There's so much misinformation out there. And so there are a lot of people, especially in the United States that are terrified about these vaccines. So in the United States, there have been over 7 million people that have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Out of all of those, eight of them have been found to have blood clotting and one of them has died. Okay, So the only other vaccine that we have that has a lot more data than that that's very similar to the Johnson Johnson vaccine would actually be the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, it's been widely distributed in the UK. It uses a lot of the same technology from the research and stuff that I've been able to read. Uh, so it's been compared to the Johnson Johnson vaccine very closely. Uh, it has also had some cases of blood clotting. Uh, so the EU and other officials are looking at that vaccine very closely as well. But out of almost the 21 million people in the United Kingdom, that have received at least one dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. 99 people have shown the blood clotting issue, and of those 99, only 22 of those people have died. So, to put it in perspective a bit, that is a 1 in 200,000 chance of someone having blood clotting issues as resorting from the AstraZeneca vaccine. A little bit of perspective there. Uh, you have a 1 in 15,300 chance of getting struck by lightning in your lifetime and a 1 in 106 chance of you getting in a car accident. So the reason why I cover all of this story, though, is because there's a like I said earlier, there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of headlines that are incredibly clickbaity. Uh, they're legitimately working hard to try and stir up a lot of fear in people. So, yes, there are some people that have had trouble with the vaccines. That is always going to be the case, uh, but the numbers really are menial when you're looking at them in kind of like the larger picture. Um, the goal for the vaccines is obviously to be a as good as they possibly can to not have any sort of side effects at all. However, that's just not going to be the case in, in, in any sort of medical treatment. There are going to be times where uh, they react poorly with some people and they don't react poorly to others. So if you are worried about or confused about the effects of the vaccine, go out and do some research around it. Talk to people that have taken the vaccine. Talk to doctors and medical officials, right? Don't just read some ridiculous headline that you find from some clickbaity news channel online uh, that's going to tell you something crazy, okay? Honestly, the scarier, scariest part about all the vaccines isn't even the blood clotting. It's the small microchip, right, that gets put inside you and then how you can hear the voice of Bill Gates in the back of your head as your DNA changes you into a lizard person. That really is the scariest part about all the vaccines. So with all of that, that is the 
the end. That was sarcasm, by the way. Just want to go ahead and make sure that's known. So end of story number two. Let's go ahead and hop on into our third story and last story. Story number three. So for our third story of the day, Derek Chauvin is found guilty on all three counts that he was convicted of or that he was charged with, rather. Uh, the second degree murder charge, the third degree murder charge, and also the second degree manslaughter charge. There were many people across the country had absolutely celebrated this as a huge win, not only for the black community, but also for our criminal justice system as a whole. There were people that were all over the news on both the left and the right talking about this over the past couple of days or past couple of days, past couple of hours. <laughs> and uh, it's been very, very interesting to say the least. There were many governments across the country that were absolutely terrified about what would end up happening in the wake of the trial actually coming to a close. Uh, the jury went into del deliberations on Monday and uh, by Tuesday afternoon, at a, I think I got the notification yesterday sometime around like 5.30, to 5.30, uh, that he had actually been convicted on all counts. So they did not deliberate for very long. So it seems like the jury had a pretty clear consensus uh, that they knew what they wanted to do and they knew what they believed. Um, and the fact that he was found guilty on all counts means that the jury was completely unanimous. So, uh, it, it is very, very clear that, uh, through what happened there with George Floyd, uh, the jury amongst his peers found that Derek Chauvin, uh, purposefully killed George Floyd. Uh, and this is a really honestly an incredibly rare case. You do not see very often where police officers are uh, actually convicted of murder for something that happened uh, that they perpetuated while they were on duty. And a, and a lot of that has to do with some of the laws like qualified immunity that are currently in place within the United States. Uh, but this was, to say the least, uh, a, a huge win for uh, a lot of people, especially on the left, that had been calling for uh, justice for George Floyd, and they felt like the only way for justice to actually be carried out would be for Derek Chauvin to actually be found guilty of murdering George Floyd. Um, I will be honest, Heading into this trial, heading into the, the last couple of days of this trial, I, like many other people, I think especially um, other people, other, you know, leaders around the country, were incredibly worried that he not necessarily would get acquitted, but that he wouldn't be convicted on all charges. And as a result, there would be a lot of protesting uh, coming out of the in the wake of this trial. Um I mean, Minneapolis is absolutely covered with National Guard troops and that they've been there for the past couple of days. Uh, Minneapolis as a whole, I mean, businesses are boarded up. There are people walking around painting murals on the plywood boards that are wall to wall all over businesses around Minneapolis. I mean, a lot of the pictures are, are pretty stunning, to say the least, because many people were worried that if he was not actually convicted on a lot of these charges, uh, that there, you know, people would be rioting in the streets and it would be paramount to a lot of the stuff that we saw last year in the wake of George Floyd's death. Um, so uh, fortunately, it, it does not look like a lot of rioting will be happening. In fact, I feel like over the next couple of days, you're going to see a lot of people out in the streets celebrating this. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the reactions are going to be on the right side of the aisle. Uh, in terms of what exactly is going to be taking place and, and what all will happen uh, coming out of the end of this trial. But 
what we do know for certain is that Derek Chauvin was convicted on all three counts. And uh, it looks like hopefully the country as a whole will be able to kind of pick up and maybe start moving forward uh, in the wake of uh, the George Floyd death. So all in all, I think that Hopefully this will be a good thing for our criminal justice system. Hopefully it will be a good thing for the black community as a whole, as a lot of people are kind of trying to piece together exactly how they're going to move on um, following George Floyd's death and a lot of the protests and stuff that happened last year. So with all of that having been said, that is the end of our third story of the day. We'll go ahead and hop on in to our last segment, something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week is actually a birthday gift that I received from a whole bunch of my buddies. So as many of you know, I am a big fan of some good brown water, right? Some good bourbon, scotch, whiskey, enjoy all of the above. Be able to sit down, hang out with some friends, have a good time and have a good drink. Always enjoy that. So a couple of my buddies got together and they got me a very, very good Peerless Rye bourbon. All right. Super good, spicy. I don't know if many of you or many of my listeners do drink bourbon, but if you want, you should totally go out and grab this bourbon. It is a little bit more on the expensive side, so be ready to drop a good amount of money, but very, very good. Peerless, if you're listening to this, you totally should sponsor my show. <laughs> so with all of that, that is the end of my show today. Thank you so much for dropping by, for checking us out. As always, y'all, we're going to do our best to stay level-headed. We are always going to be reasonable. And of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor. Thank you for listening to Split the Difference Podcast, written, recorded, and hosted by Austin Taylor. If you're interested in getting in touch with me on Instagram, you can find me at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on Facebook and YouTube at Split the Difference and on my website at splitthedifference.com. Production for the intro and outro music done by Rosewood Records Recording Studio. If you're interested in booking or learning more about them, you can reach them on Facebook or Instagram at Rosewood Records SC or on their website, www.rosewoodrecordssc.com.